people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello there, this is Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. Today I'm joined with Kira Wisman. Kira is a dynamic, dedicated, and operational finance leader offering 20 years of experience in both private and public sectors. Her leadership style is collaborative and compassionate, and she brings an array of excellent technical skills with a practical application to the table. Through the years of experience in a variety of settings and industries, she possesses a very well-rounded view of the business world. Akira, you're in the finance world, but we're going to talk about leadership and succession planning. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how those topics became of interest to you and, you know, what led you to focus on on those areas of leadership, if you will. Um, Sure. You know, I I started out many years ago in in public accounting when I came out of school and uh, public accounting is not known for It's um, personality, you know, it's a pretty dry profession, very numbers oriented, very um, analytical. So it it tends to attract a a certain type of person that that isn't always good at dealing with people. You know, as the years progressed, you know, I became frustrated in in that sector and actually went back to school and got a psychology degree because I wasn't sure that, you know, I'm a very... An open person. I'm a very communicative person. And I wasn't sure that that public accounting world or even the accounting world in general was going to really fit with, with my ultimate skill set. So, you know, I, I obtained that degree in 2014 and uh, had left public accounting and joined a, a, a private company in the Pittsburgh region where I live. And, you know, I started to really kind of understand how, you know, we had an accounting department and we had, it it was a medical facility. So we had, you know, nurses and doctors and marketing people and really got a taste for uh, how to communicate the importance of the financial information in the company in a way that really would resonate with others in the organization. So uh, that, that leadership quality started to to really shine uh, and understanding that you have to have the people skills to convince people who do not care about numbers at all. They come to work, they treat patients, you know, so on and so forth. And to understand how that, that uh, financial aspect does actually affect their jobs, their raises, their performance bonuses and so on and so forth. So it became a passion of mine to bring people skills to accounting and to teach other accounting professional professionals, teach might be a strong word, you know, mentor accounting professionals in a way to, to make them understand how important it is for staff to keep people in accounting, to have stress the important accuracy of numbers, the importance of that accuracy, but also understand that we're all people. 
We all have different motivators. We all have different skill sets, even within the numbers world. So I, I kind of, um, I, in addition to the psychology degree, you know, I just started absorbing every type of leadership related material I could in other industries, in my industry, talking to other people and, and you know, and, and really found that, uh, that, that this methodology that I use in my job and in life actually, you know, works, works anywhere in life, uh, helps people stay in a position, stay with a company, uh, develop a loyalty to a company that they might not otherwise have. So what's your current role, Kira? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, I am a controller uh, slash CFO in the advisory department of our accounting firm, which is KWC CPAs. I'm a little newer to this role. I was not really looking for a job, but I was uh, approached by a recruiter last year and asked if I wanted to join this firm. So I interviewed with them and got the job. And, you know, I think they hired me because of the, uh, I, I bring, you know, a solid financial skill set and that people role. So I am responsible for leading my teams in the daily accounting functions for the various clients that we have. And I'm also responsible for developing content, uh, touching base with our staff members of all levels and uh, keeping people mentally sane for lack of a better yeah. term and yeah. you know and, and rowing in the same direction so which is which is a big job when you have people from different generations different skill sets our department that the accounting firm you know isn't just numbers driven we're technology driven so you know there there are a lot of different people to pull together and and, and bring a cohesive feel to the team yeah and so obviously we'll focus more on the people side than the number side, you know, as an, it's, it's an interesting background because I have a similar background in the sense that I got my engineering and my MBA in finance and international business. And my goal was to be in finance um, after spending a full semester interning at a, at a, you know, a automotive finance department, I realized this wasn't for me. I was too much of a people person to bury myself in numbers and Excel sheets. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned right now that actually piqued my interest, you said the leadership style or the model that you're using can be used in personal life as well as in people life. Can you explain exactly what that leadership model is that has been working for you and that you're probably inculcating with your team members as well? Yeah, you, you know, friendly and compassionate. Well, I, I think too often somebody in a leadership role feels that they, you know, are, are standing atop a mountain and that, you know, they are kind of looking down at everybody else and it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work in your personal life, in your relationships, you know, in a, in a personal relationship, nobody wants to be in charge of somebody else, you know, but we all have our strengths and weaknesses and it work certainly in today's world with the younger generations coming up who aren't really interested in work in general to some degree, you know, they, is you, you have to identify with the people you work with. And that, um, that takes work. You know, I, I think it, it, it is very much overlooked as a skill to be able to come into a team, talk to your team members, understand where they're coming from. You know, you, you might have somebody that all they want to do is put their head in a spreadsheet all day and they're not a people person and they're not looking to set the world on fire by leading 
the team, the department, the firm, you know, that might be their wheelhouse and that's okay. And yep. then you might have somebody else who isn't as strong. It may be that the tasks or the departmental needs, you know, statistically or financially, but they are really good with people, really good with motivating, really good with time management. So it's learning who your people are as people and putting them in the right seats within the organization so that they are successful and ultimately your organization is successful. And you do yeah. that by identifying and talking with people. Yeah, I think you hit on a very important point that I talk about a lot in even in my discussions with my managers and with other people um, is focus on where people's strengths are and not on their weaknesses mm -hmm. and try to mitigate those weaknesses, but really put them in roles where they're going to be successful because of their strengths and interests as well. Um, but you said something that, you know, maybe it's a little controversial. You said that the younger generation may not even want to work. Can you, can you explain that? I don't th I think you actually meant that, but I want to hear more about what do you mean? Uh, what do you see the difference, I guess, in the younger generation versus, let's say, the Gen Xers and uh, millennials? Sure, sure. There, there is actually an, an Instagram page with videos that this somebody does where they kind of go through the work mentality of, you know, the boomers, the Gen Z, the Gen X, the millennials, and, you know, and, and kind of their different approach to their job. And, and it is eerily accurate. I don't mean to say they don't want to work. It's just their motivation to work is different. Their definition of success is different. The way they identify with the world around them is different. You know, there's a host of reasons why that is. And all of them are very understandable. But when you take somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who is still in the workplace, most likely in a senior management management role at that point in their career, uh, they do not understand why Gen Z uh, doesn't live and breathe their job. You know, that the older generations, the boomers and the Gen Xs of the world, which I am a Gen Xer, you know, you were taught, you go, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you get a job and you, that, that job is kind of defines who you are back in the day. And that's not the case anymore. You know, you, and that's hard. You know, I can say it is difficult for me sometimes to talk to somebody in their young, you know, in their, in their twenties, somebody who just came out of college, uh, who might not have the the soft skills you, you they might know technology really well but they don't have the interpersonal connections so you have to um i don't mean to say they don't want to work it's just what motivates them to work is completely different than what motivates other generations and uh, you know I, I don't think there's a secret sauce for that i think more than ever it is an individual by individual basis. The young people that I have worked with have gone from super career oriented to, hey, I just come to my to my job every day. You know, I want a nice paycheck. You know, I, I want you to kind of lead me a little bit in a, in a stronger way, maybe than somebody that's a little bit older yeah. and hold my hand a little bit more. So um, it's a challenge. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I think it's just how the distribution of that group is. I think there are still people who are motivated by role or by the title and they want to, you know, put their head down and work, um, you know, their hiney self. But then there's the group that are motivated by money and they want to make as much money as possible as well. But I would say those groups are smaller as a piece of pie, if you will, for maybe 
our generation, the, the Gen X and the millennials, even millennials to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think what I have seen is that they want to understand why that work matters um, to to them. You know, find meaning in that work. If it's not resonating with their core, yes, they're willing to walk away from it because I, this is me, me just you know, my with my experience with with people and what I re- I've read from other research and other uh, thought leaders in the space as well. You know, the sense of having a purpose in their role and the meaning in their role becomes even more important. Mm-hmm. And that's where the challenge for the leaders are. If they're not communicating those values around what is the purpose of our organization, it's not just to make money and make money for our shareholders and get promoted. Mm-hmm. It is also to, to do something for the ecosystem you're operating in, whether it is your customers, your employees, your the general public that you may not be even looking at making money, you know, making revenue from. How are you impacting the environment? You know, all those things are important. That's why you're seeing a lot of organizations having this huge emphasis on ESG initiatives, um, whether it is related, uh, completely unrelated to what they do, you know, um, and in, including, you know, diversity and uh, even some of the affirmative actions that have gone down in the Supreme Court, I think some organizations are not very happy about it, which you wouldn't expect that, but actually the opposite is true, right? Our organizations are really upset about that because now they can't really build the DEI initiative as strongly as they would have liked to. Um, so that being said, you know, I think uh, what I would like to touch upon is, you know, where do you think, so that makes the challenge for leaders because they were thinking one way for a while, they grew up a certain way, you know, I grew up, saying just keep your head down and work and if you need if you're asked to come in on a saturday you don't ask questions and you show up you know and that's not true anymore so now we're like okay well, i got to recalibrate for this new work workforce yes. um what are the you know things that you see leaders are doing well and what has seen work for you and then uh, and what are what are the things that you know they are not doing well in that area you know, I, I think we all have a, a lot of trouble stepping out of our our uh, comfort level, you know, stepping out of our box, if you will. And uh, the older you get, the more you know, set in your ways that it, a human tends to become, you know, psychologically proven that, you know, your neuro pathways are, are more fixed the older you get. So the, the good leaders are recognizing that hey, you, things aren't the same in the 20s that they were in the 50s. And they're not the same in the 50s that they were in the 70s. And you're, you are able to take a really good look at yourself and your own biases and put those aside and be open to new ideas, new thoughts, new ways of doing things, and really listening to the people who are younger than you. Again, outside the business world. This is important to be able to adapt and succeed in a rapidly changing world. So the leaders who are very successful are able to compartmentalize, you know, hey, this is how I was trained. This is how I grew up. This is the, you know, the information that was pounded into my head year after year. But times have, you know, times are different. I need to think, well, maybe these younger people have a point. Should we work to live or live to work and and realize that there's room for all of that? And then, you know, somewhere in the middle is probably the right answer. The leaders who are not being successful and there are a lot of those, you know, there are a lot out there, you know, are only interested in pushing down and not really only worried about their place in a company, their 
place for the next few years. They're threatened by a younger generation. They're unable to open their mind to these types of things. And, you know, and they have poor communication skills, you know, and they're not in, they're not actually interested in people, you know, mm-hmm. they're only interested in themselves and the work and, and getting ahead, you know, however you might want to define that. So, yeah, I think that that, that is the most critical thing when it comes to people, you know, hard job skills aside is, is that a really successful leader, if you look all over the world at really successful leaders, what made them a, a great leader? You know, Indra Nooyi, the former CEO of Pepsi, is somebody that I really admire and I really followed and kept up with, with what she did. I mean, she managed to work in the gambit of industries and within PepsiCo itself and was super successful. Why? She could identify and talk to people. She would find a way to relate super complicated concepts to people who would might not otherwise understand them. So I think that that is key in being a yeah. successful leader. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, if you are only looking at the numbers and only talking about numbers and goals and things like that, and you don't really care about them, you know, people can sense that. They're like, mm-hmm. he doesn't, she doesn't care about me. I mean, all they want is me to perform. And if I if I leave, I'm replaceable. You know, do I even matter as a human? And I think that is a fundamental question, you know, that all of us should be asking, you know, in our, in our roles, whether you're a Gen Z or you know, a um, part of the, you know, the older generation as well. So, um, you know, one topic that I want to quickly touch upon in a few minutes, you know, as we are thinking about succession in many ways, you know, we are handing over the baton uh i i'm not yet but uh, there are some people who are <laughs> handing over the baton to the next generation and i'm in a way you know stepping out of some of the roles where people are getting promoted to managers and directors and vps and organization as well so we are thinking about succession planning in those areas you know how should one think about that in organizations um because sometimes it's a you know well you know it's a it's a movement where somebody just accidentally uh, not accidentally quits or is relieved of their role because they're not performing or they retire and retirement can be planned people who are not performing can potentially be planned but even then it's like how do i talk to that person about a succession plan when that person is already fighting for their job you know how do you how do you handle succession plan since that's one of your topics that you you you've been studying it's it's pretty individualized, you know, but it, it, it does go back to, you know, one, you have to know where your company, where you want the company to go, depending on where you are within that company, whether it be your department, uh, what, what are your, what is your growth potential over the next several years, you, you know, 10, 20, you know, long-term planning becomes key. And then you need to look at who you have and do you have, you know, our firm is really big on saying, do you have the right butts in the right seats and knowing where the people on your team uh, want to go. Are they interested in moving up? Are they not interested in moving up? If they aren't, okay, well, now we need to plan. You know, if we if I want to retire in the next 10 years, obviously, I need we need to get somebody into the position that can be that wants to go upwards and lead. So um, it goes back to that same thing I was talking about. Talk to your people know who they are, know where they want to go, know 
Uh, are they happy with what they're doing within your company? If they're not, do they want to do something else? If they do, let's get them the training to get there. If they're doing what they want to do, are they doing it well enough? Or do we need to get them some training and maybe some schooling and look at how to support that person to get them where they want to go? And then, you know, and, and ultimately, I think that those pegs will fall into place. You know, if you're paying attention every day, you know, this isn't something that you do every quarter or every year at an annual review, you know, being in touch with your team will help you know, do you have the movers and the shakers? No. Okay. We need to look for some movers and shakers. You know, do we have the work to support that right now? Do we, you know, do we need to have some serious conversations with some staff that may not be pulling their weight and are they really happy where they are and do they really want to be here? So uh, that just kind of all rolls into knowing ultimately Yeah, it's it's about looking at them as humans, right? So it's not about what you're doing today, what need, what report you needed to create, or what right. budget you needed to make, but also stepping back and then say, okay, let's today on our one-on-one, every maybe you do that every quarter or every few months. Let's talk about what is it that you really want out of your life at this place or outside of this place, and let's have a discussion around, you know, maybe they want more time off, or maybe they want more flexibility in the work, or maybe they want to really work towards a new role um, and then you can work with them on a coaching and a development plan and grooming them for that role. And those type of discussions, you don't think a lot of managers are trained to do that well uh, Mm -hmm. because they're focused on what the VP has asked them to do uh, or their CEO has asked them to do and their heads down focusing on the KPIs and their their goals that they have that they're driving, sometimes driving their people uh, crazy because all they can talk about is work and not really about connecting with them as humans um, and getting that emotional buy-in that I was talking about, that sense mm-hmm. of meaning and, and purpose. So um, I think succession plan, you know, in, in many ways has always been in the past, I, I feel has been driven from top down where say, oh, this VP is going to yeah. leave or retire or potentially at a risk of, you know, attrition. So let's plan a better, but not the other way around where we are talking about hey, this person is a potential leader for this role. I don't have that role today because there's already you know, somebody on that. Mm-hmm. But let me work towards developing them. And maybe that role doesn't exist in the organization at all. And that's fine. Because I think if you focus on developing them, maybe they will go to a different role within the company or they might leave and go somewhere else and be great, good ambassadors for your organization. Correct. So Which can be just as important. You know, I have two very good examples of that that just recently happened. You know, we have somebody who just came out of school. She hasn't been out of school two years. She wants to be managing partner of the firm. You know, she has huge ambitions, whereas we have somebody else, very talented person, much more uh, numbers driven, really happy in a research role, really happy kind of staying in the background. And had we not had some real conversations with everybody on our team, And we would not have known that we would be treating these people that came out of school with similar skill sets, similar age, the same. And so, I mean, two totally different directions that this person would want to go. So you cannot drive a succession plan top down. That's a reactive way of looking at things, not a proactive way of looking at things. So, you know, knowing your team will help you plan for the future and 
it's tough. You, you know, talking to people is hard. It, it, there is a certain personality that just kind of falls into that and is actually interested in people. And it's much easier to focus on a KPI or a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint presentation that you're developing because that doesn't throw any feedback at you. And so, you, you know, it, it takes practice and a willingness to fail to truly be good at leading an organization, whether it be succession planning, whether it be motivating your employees, different age groups to uh, to truly break out and be a standout individual in your company, in the industry, so on and so forth. Yeah. And it does require the manager to be a good advocate for that employee as well. Yeah. A lot of managers are not necessarily good advocates for the employees. Sometimes they are, you know, but in the wrong ways. Sometimes they advocate <laughs> for, the, for the person who probably doesn't have a good role and they're protecting them. And sometimes they're advocating for the employee because the employee is extremely vocal about what they want. But the manager's role is to uncover those who are not vocal about what they want and also really discover you know, are they even good at what they want and how, do, you know, or can they be good at that in the future? And then putting together a development plan if that's possible. Um, excellent. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Kira. This has been a good, really good conversation. I, you know, I could have talked for, for hours on this topic. Actually, it's one of my favorite topics uh, around mentoring and developing people, uh, whether it's for your organization or for somewhere they may go in the future and become great ambassadors for your for your organization. And you know, and you as a leader get fulfillment from doing that in the long run as well. Yes. Um, I really appreciate your time here, Kira. Can you talk a little bit about how people can learn more about you and where they can reach out? Uh, sure. You know, uh, my firm has a website. It's www.kwccpa, the letter S, dot com. Uh, you can reach out at my email address, kira.wisman at kwccpa.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn using my name. Excellent. I'd be happy to talk with anybody, give suggestions, you know, consult with people on on how to, you know, how to be a good leader. Thank you, Kira. It's been a pleasure. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.